we have a very exciting week ahead of us and we just had an amazing one. Welcome to This Week in Mexico. My name is Luis Rodella, your host and the host of this year podcast. After a lot of heavy thinking a couple of weeks ago, I launched my very first podcast through this. I loved it so much I may have gotten a little too overexcited because I don't have an audience beyond 20 or 30 individuals and I am already recording this uh, second podcast. This Week in Mexico is being created for those English speakers, English native speakers who want to learn more about what's going on in Mexico. It was created thinking on helping you understand and get context on our culture and our history. You see, I feel there is a lot of information out there, but it is focused on the here and now on Mexico in the best of cases and not in your language. At least not that much in the news world and the podcast world. So, if you're an English native speaker who lives in Mexico or loves our country as much as we do, or you're planning a visit and want to learn more about the conversations that surround you, this is definitely a place to start. For now, we'll have just one section. The first, the first section we will be recording is this, the five conversations you need to get. I record this every Thursday, so you have all weekend to listen to it. In Mexico, weekends are typically less crowded with news, with the exception of important events such as soccer, which is kind of a big deal around here. Hopefully, hopefully this podcast will grow and include more sections, but for that, I appreciate your support. So please feel free to share and give all the feedback you can give me via Instagram. My username, username is at Luis Rodela. That is L-U-I-S-R-O-D-E-L-A. Before getting to the news, I want to share with you a bit of the context of the energy surrounding our elections. You see, from a structural perspective, the United States and Mexico are not so different. Uh, both countries are democracies and have a separation of powers. But our history has been very different from that of the United States, for starters. After our independence, there were two factions, a conservative and a liberal one. But the principles from these conservative and liberal factions are very different from those conservative and liberal factions in your country. After the U.S. independence, um, the debate was more oriented towards the government size, the financial structure. And in Mexico, the debate was whether we were to be a democracy or an empire, how attached will we be to the church? Um, then in the next century, while the United States was, ha was having a debate regarding slavery, our war was a very unorganized revolution from very contrasting sectors and leaders of the population that aimed to replace a dictator, Porfirio Diaz, Porfirio Diaz who remained in power for over 30 years. So, democracy was threatened before the revolution, and even after the revolution, we had one party dominating government for 70 years. Democracy has failed in Mexico, unlike in the US, and this election is relevant because it's a standoff for our country's future. Will we set a precedent that will be quoted in textbooks in the years to come? That's what's ahead of us. It's a very exciting time to live in Mexico, really. So, let's go to the five conversations you need to get this week in Mexico. First, 
Andrea Mesa. Andrea Mesa is the new Miss Universe 2021. Why is this a big deal? It is the third time a Mexican woman gets the crown. In Mexico, we are used to blame our failures on, on these characters when they lose, but we celebrate their success as it was our own, as if it was our own. That is until that person gets a lot of attention, then we tend to go back to the point where that person is really not big, that big of a deal. Um, for example, Jimena Navarrete, she was the last winner and got her title and became a renowned actress in Mexican telenovelas. Nowadays, she's not that much in the spotlight, but she's very relevant as a social media influencer. Lupita Jones, who was the first Mexican to win this contest in 1991, is the most powerful voice within the beauty pageant industry in Mexico. Besides being active as an entrepreneur, nowadays is kind of unsuccessfully making a debut as a candidate for governor of her home state, Baja California, that is in the northwest of our country. As of today, she is being crushed, crushed the balls by the candidate of the official party, Andreas. Andreas Wien has been controversial for attacks everywhere have been launched against her by supporters of her closest competitor, Yannick Maceta. Yannick Maceta expressed her support to her friends in a very elegant manner. What can we expect? <sighs> Andrea will become the speaker for Miss Universe and she is a professional of the tech industry. I hope there is a bright future ahead for her. We do not know what her plans will be and if her career will take a turn such as that of Lupita, Jimena, or will she set a new trend, a new path? But since her triumph has brought joy to Mexico, I sincerely expect her to have a lot of joy ahead for herself. Number two, it is midterm election time. We have a few days ahead of us that will be charged with politics in Mexico. The main newspaper in Nuevo León, El Norte, organized a debate among candidates for governor. To this debate, three out of the four candidates decided to miss it. Why is this important? From the beginning, and for a mistake made by a senator from the same party as the president of our country, we know that the Federation is just like the eye of Sauron, has, and it, it has his eyes fixed on the northern states. Nuevo León is a very important and productive state that produces around 10% of the economy every year. The candidate of Morena, the official party, was the favorite at the beginning of the process, but now Clara Luz occupies the third or fourth place in preference. Ahead in the most important polls is Samuel Garcia, the only candidate to be president at the debate. Although some other polls place Adrián de la Garza, the candidate of the former official party, the one I told you that was in power for 70 years, um, some place them in the first place. The reasons candidates gave 20 minutes before the agreed hour to start the debate was simply that El Norte has shown preference for Samuel Garcia. This is worrisome because although the editorial board of El Norte has always guided its content in favor of certain candidates, it has never been in favor of a determined group of her party. It has always switched and mostly it has followed the trends of the population. 
uh, last election for governor, it was evident that El Bronco, who is now the governor of the state, was preferred by the editorial board of El Norte, but he was ahead of the polls and the polls were very, very accurate in the end. What can we expect? We expect a close election in my home state, Nuevo León, probably solved in courts as the general feeling is that the official party and the former official party will join efforts to try to call back the election. This is a key election for the years to come and it will set presence for the, for the way candidates and government officials handle the so-called freedom of the press in the years to come. The freedom of the press is under attack and has been for a couple of years in Mexico. And that's part of the motivation that's behind the recording of this year podcast. Number three, what does Elena and Luis Miguel have in common? They're both in Netflix. Why is this important? A lot of the conversation and the music you will be listening will be around these two figures. Because of the success their stories are having on the main, on the main streaming platform, which is Netflix. Feel free to fall in love and listen to the romantic songs of Luis Miguel. Also, feel free to cry a bit and dance along the music of Selena. Ah, we miss her a lot. What can we expect? A lot of conversation around the accuracy on the portrayal of these characters in the series. If you have not done it, I strongly recommend you go and watch this TV series. I know you'll fall in love with these characters. Number four, an arrest warrant has been issued against governor of the state of Tamaulipas, Cabeza de Vaca. Cabeza de Vaca is his last name that will be literally translated as the cow's head. Why is this a big deal? Just imagine that the president of your country um, sends to jail one of the main opposers of your government. Governor Cabeza de Vaca is one of the most important voices and leaders in a group of governor, which is called the, the Alliance, that oppose the current president's positions, especially regarding COVID and the economy. Taxation is also a big issue here. The general feeling is that the president is prosecuting his adversaries, candidates, and govern governors. Although accusations are supported by the United States, accusations against Cabeza de Vaca, the timing of launching and issuing an arrest warrant for this is very, it, it just looks very suspicious. Why? Because this warrant would take years and years in a normal process. And it has just been expedited so fast, even after the Supreme Court and after the local government have declared unconstitutional the, the prosecuting of, of this individual. Why? Because governors are protected and have immunity in, under the Mexican law. What can we expect? Well, the federal government has decided to pursue the case against the governor. Um, the counterbalances to the federal uh, executive have, have not been respected. And right now there's a controversy in this issue. Technically, the governor is a fugitive from justice 
and we can expect a long debate in the courts before seeing how this mess turns out. Number five, the president, as I mentioned, is in the offense against his adversaries. Why is this important? This week, the equivalent, equivalent to the FBI has protested the decision of the Supreme Court regarding the illegality of the, of the electric reform. Also, it has um, issued this arrest warrant against the opinion of one of the judges of the Supreme Court. Additionally, the same institution is investigating candidates from opposing parties while letting loose candidates from the official party. At the same time, the president is demanding the U.S. to stop funding NGOs that denounce corruption in Mexico, calling anti-corruption associations the enemy. What can we expect? We are afraid these are signs of fascism, fascism and authoritarianism. The weaponization of powers are signs that impact our economy and the overall trust climate. Also, they tend to affect the media. In the past, in these 70 years, I, I have mentioned a lot. I've mentioned it because it feels a lot like a comeback. But in the past, journalists opposing the official party disappeared. And the whispers of this potentially happening again are very, very loud. The president has confessed he's violating voting laws and restrictions, calling himself an organizer and not a politician, despite him being part of the official party for 30 years before joining parties on the left and finally grabbing power and founding his own party. This, along the control and growing power of the military, is definitely where the attention and stress of the media and business community is fixated. Ahead, ahead we hope for the best. One more thing, you will be seeing it if you have not already seen footage of a candidate or for major of a town in Chiapas um, in a pretended hanging. You see, I could not include that note for I read a lot of this in the newspapers and, and nothing made sense. What the community did was kidnapping. They threatened his life. But in Mexico, indigenous communities have a certain level of independence. And I don't know how could the author or authorities have allowed this to happen. The candidate that was threatened for not fulfilling the promises made in the last election he faced as a congressman is Juan Camacho. Juan Camacho is the son of a politician with a big, big name, Manuel Camacho. Manuel Camacho was supposed to be appointed candidate for the presidency in the 90s, but Colosio, Luis Donaldo Colosio, was chosen instead, and soon afterwards, Luis Donaldo Colosio was assassinated. Manuel Camacho was also a leader appointed to negotiate peace in Chiapas when the insurrection of the Ejército Zapatista took over. So the relationship between Manuel Camacho, the father of Juan Camacho, and the indigenous communities were not that cool. His son Juan had to pay 3,000 pesos, that's around $15,000, to be liberated as a damage reparation for not fulfilling his promises as a candidate for congressman. 
This was an illegal movement. Yes, effective. Well, many have thought of it, but but it's despicable. It's inhuman. Definitely, this has no place in our country. If I understand any more of this, I'll find a way to put it back on the conversation. But well, it is time to go. I am Luis Rodela, and I hope we can connect to social media. My name in Instagram is it at Luis Rodela. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please feel free to share it with whomever might benefit from it. I am sorry my English is a bit rusty. Uh, I promise it will be improving in further emissions. So, this has been A Week in Mexico. See you soon.